yank it out and walk around with it. All right. All right. Uh, I don't even know where I am. The devil has used the microphone already to get me off track. And it don't take much to get me off track. I am psychologically in a mess this morning. I am, uh, I've been preaching for almost 53 years. And now as you get older, things get in your head. Just like my son, he, he calls me and asks me to preach. And he said, this is his instruction. Now, Dad, be careful when you walk up on the platform. <laughs> don't fall. Because I am prone to fall now. I fall a lot. But uh, he says, don't fall. I says, what do you mean don't fall? He says, those steps are tricky. And I look at them, one, two, three. How is that so tricky? So I asked about Farber this morning. And he says, yes, it's tricky. <laughs> All right. So when you get our age, one, two, three is tricky. It's hard. So you bear with me this morning. That's the, uh, it's hard. It's hard to get in this modern age and get with it and all that. But I'm proud of the church, proud of what you're doing, and uh, I'm glad to be able to preach this morning and to be here. Every service is awesome. Every service is wonderful. And I look forward to tonight. And I'm so proud of Robbie and uh, all my staff is here. I'm just so proud of what they've done and how they've worked. Now, Brother Jim Vanelli, I didn't get to fool with him much. Uh, when I get to be with him a little more, his singing will come to par with everybody else. When, I, when I'm able to give him a few more lessons and to work with him, it'll, it'll all work out. Luke chapter 19, turn, look with me please. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press. Because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost." That is our text for our message this morning. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus said these words to the crowd that was gathered there because they all were wondering, why such a man as Zacchaeus would he give this time to? Why would he go into his house? And Jesus says, I want to settle this. I want you all to understand something. I came to seek and to save that which was lost. This morning, I want to speak on the subject, Jesus and sinners. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that the Holy Spirit would help me now. I pray that you would give me the words I need to speak. I pray, Father, you would help me to preach with clarity of mind and spirit. I pray that I speak no longer than I should, say nothing I shouldn't say. I pray, Father, you'll speak to the hearts of people. It's no doubt, Lord, that people are here with needs this morning. And Father, we're all sinners this morning. Thank God that uh, many of us, most of us, have received you and are saved sinners. But Father, if there be some here this morning 
that do not know for certain that they're on their way to heaven and their sins are forgiven. May you help them today and may they receive you as their Savior. May they leave here walking in a new walk and a new life and a new joy. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. The whole purpose of our Savior, of course, was to come to seek and to save sinners. I began to think about that thought one day as I read this portion of scripture about Zacchaeus, and then I stopped at verse 10 as I've read it many, many times, and I began to think about some things. If Jesus came to seek and to save sinners, I just made some things and noticed some things, and that's the message this morning. First of all, if he came to seek and to save sinners, that means that he sees sinners. He sees sinners. He saw Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden when they fell, broke the heart of God. He put them in that place of perfection, but he saw them. He saw them do that thing that day when they betrayed him and sinned. He saw Cain as he walked with his brother Abel. And as he took his life, he thought it was hidden from everyone. But there was one who saw it and saw it with a broken heart. It was God. He saw Zacchaeus up in that tree. And he knew Zacchaeus would be in that tree at that time, and that's why Jesus walked that way. He saw Zacchaeus up that tree, uh, confounded by sin, confounded by his life, and not knowing what to do. We can also think that he saw the Apostle Paul as he was walking down that Damascus road full of hatred, full of anger, full of doing all he could do to destroy God's work in the church of Jesus Christ. And there on that Damascus road, oh, thank God, he was seen And Jesus appeared unto him there. And oh, I thank God for the day that he saw me. And I received him as my Savior. Can you think of the day when he saw you? He saw you. He saw you with your broken heart. He saw you in your confused state of mind. He saw you in that emptiness that you had. He saw you with that defeated spirit you had, defeated life. He saw you and looked upon you. And he sees sinners. Thank God he does. Job said in Job 31, 4, Doth not he see all my ways and count all my steps? He sees all of our ways. He counts all of our steps. He knows where we are today, where we'll be tomorrow. 1 Samuel 16, 7, The Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his statue, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth, seeth for man seeth, looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Aren't you glad of that? He sees the heart of man man. He sees your heart, my heart. One day he saw our heart, but you know what he sees our heart, what he knows also? He said the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked, and who can know it? Your heart is deceitful. It's desperately wicked. Your heart can deceive you in many ways. Many folks are deceived about Christianity. They think they're saved and they're not. You better be sure of it this morning. He can deceive you that you're doing the right thing and you're not. Remember there's one who sees the heart. Oh, thank God. If he's after sinners, he came to seek and to save, means he's sees sinners. He knows where they are. He knows where they are. He sees every sinner with his need. He knows the need. Secondly, if he sees sinners, it only makes sense logically that he then sympathizes with sinners. We have a God who sympathizes with sinners. He sees them. He sees them. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. He was affected by what affects us, but he was not guilty of sin. He knows everything that has affected you. He knows what hurts you. He knows what harms you. He knows what's against you. He knows 
knows the battle you're fighting and the battle you're facing that you think is unwinnable. He sees you. And Matthew 9 36, this is when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad. His sheep have been no shepherd. He saw the multitudes. He was moved with compassion. They had no shepherd. They were like sheep without leadership, without direction, just wandering toward destruction and wandering toward failure in their life. And he saw them. Oh, thank God this morning. We have a Savior who not only seeks the sinner, he sees the sinners, and then he sympathizes with us. Aren't you glad he sympathized with you? You and I don't deserve salvation this morning. We ought to be on our way to hell this morning. But thank God there was one who came to die for us and pay for our sins, and he sympathizes with you this morning. He knows your need. He hurts with you. He cries with you. He wants you to be healed this morning. He sympathizes with the sinner. Oh, what a wonderful thought, Jesus and the sinner. And then if he sees the sinner and he sympathizes with the sinner, the third thing is this, it only makes sense. He must seek the sinner. He seeks the sinner. He sees your need. He sympathizes with you. Then what does he do? He seeks after you. He seeks after you. Oh, uh, Jesus is uh, uh, on the way back to Galilee from Judea, and he announces to the disciples, we're going back to Galilee, but I must needs go through Samaria. Now, why in the world is he going through Samaria? They were asking. That's a long way. Uh, why are we going through Samaria? And Jesus said, though I must needs go through, not going the quick way, I must need to go this way. And I want to tell you something on why Jesus needed to go through Samaria. Because he heard the cry of a broken heart. He heard the cry of a heart that went every day out to draw water when nobody else was there so she wouldn't be persecuted by the people. And that Samaritan woman went out there. Oh, she had been married to five men living with another one at the time and she was broken in heart. Her life was destitute. She had tried everything and there she in the heat of the day out there uh, just slaving away and I'm sure out of the heart of her out of her heart she must have cried out and said God if you're real God if you're there if there is a God would you please help me would you please help me she had a need and she wanted help and I'm glad this morning that our Savior is sympathetic to that and he heard her not knowing her. He knew all about her already. And Jesus must needs go through Samaria. And there he found that woman at the well. And you all know the story and how he told her to put down that well and draw up water. She did. He said, I got some water to give you where you'll never thirst again. He seeks after the sinner in his trouble and in his way. And he seeks after you this morning. That's what soul winners are doing when they knock on your door. That's what somebody's doing when they hand you a gospel track. And Sometimes they don't even hand you the track. You walk in a place of business. You walk into a restroom. You walk somewhere, and you'll see a gospel track. I'm going to tell you that is the Lord Jesus seeking you. That is the Lord Jesus looking after you. He seeks you through sermons. He seeks you through bus workers. He seeks you through people who are living a good life. You see them, and you see their peace in their heart, and you wonder what it's all about. I want you to know this morning, He is seeking you this morning. It's not hard to be saved. It's not hard to find Him this morning morning because he's right there now knocking at your heart's door he's there now speaking to you and you may be like that woman by that well oh you think life is just parched and scorched and of no value and of no good and is there a God would this God please help me I want you to know this morning he's, he's wanting to help you he's seeking you this morning he's seeking you then if he seeks sinners number four I'm just making good old common sense this morning he then must speak to sinners 
He must speak to them if he's going to say. So he speaks through the Bible. The Bible is God's letter to man. And he speaks through the Bible. And if you look into the Word of God, you'll find that God seeks after sinners. I think one of the best verses to use for a person seeking this morning is Isaiah 1.18. You're seeking God. He's seeking you. Well, let's come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Why don't you just stop now and reason with him? Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Oh, he says, come, hey, come, let's sit down and reason together. Come, I got, a, I got a proposition for you this morning. That's what God, he's seeking you. He said, I got something to propose to you this morning. He says, I want to tell you something. Though your sins be many, they be as scarlet. You don't think there's a way out. You think you've committed an unpardonable sin. You think you've gone too far in sin. He says, no, 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 no. He says, you give me those sins. And you'll be white as snow. You'll be righteous. You can trade your unrighteousness for righteousness. Why? Who wouldn't do that? Oh, if you're here this morning, you're not saved, and that deal is offered to you this morning, and it is, and you wouldn't accept that? Why? You're a fool. The Bible says you are, by the way, if you won't receive Christ. Oh, how foolish. He says, give me those sins, and I'll give you righteousness. He speaks through his spirit. The Holy Spirit of God this morning here. If you're here this morning, you're lost. You know what I'm talking about. That's, that's the thing that's annoying you right now. You think it's that preacher. He's, he's the preacher. He's not, no, it's not the preacher. It's the Holy Spirit. And he's annoying you because he's trying to tell you something. He's trying to get you to admit something. He's trying to get you to say you are a sinner. You don't feel at peace with the people of God. You feel out of place around the people of God. It's because of the Spirit of God that convicts your soul and says to you, Hey, you are a sinner. You are a sinner. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He speaks through His Spirit. He speaks through the song service through the Holy Spirit. When the singing is done around here, you know what happens? You don't get the jive and the jive. You know what you get? You get something that speaks at your heart, touches your heart. If you're saved, it makes your heart rejoice. But if you're not saved, it bothers you. It convicts you because they're, talking, they're singing about something you want but you don't have. That's why you've got to realize He speaks through the Spirit. He speaks through the gospel. He told us to go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's how much God loves you. He's commanded his church to preach the gospel. You hear the gospel, have Jesus died for you and died for you and paid for your sins. Other ways he speaks, he speaks through sorrow. Anytime you hear about someone who died, God's speaking to you. You know why? Because he's telling you, you can be next. He's telling you, that'll be you in a casket one day. That'll be you, Lord, into the ground one day. And God speaks to you through that. That's why our mind, anytime there's a death, it ought to speak to our hearts. Death is certain. Are you ready? The child of God can say, yes, I'm ready. I'm just stepping on a new shore. But if you're not certain of that this morning, you're troubled by that. Who wants to talk about death? Who wants to think about eternity and all? If you're saved, you like to do that. <laughs> Oh, you like death is nothing but the taxi ride to the other side if you're born again. And it's coming for all of us one day. He speaks through sorrow. He speaks through sickness. You go to visit that one in the hospital and say, man, they sure are sick. But, you know, you could be laying there for long. Are you ready? 
Will you have peace when you're in the hospital? Will you have peace when you face death? Peace when you face sorrow and sickness and don't know what's going to happen in uncertainty? It's going to make you realize your humanity and your sickness bothers you and troubles you this morning. My friend, but I'm glad that you need to understand something. God is speaking to you. He speaks to you every day. He speaks to you through the smile of a child you may love. He speaks to you through a wife or a husband you may love. He speaks to you about his goodness. He's been good to you. He's blessed you. Even if you're lost today, you live in the greatest country on earth. You're provided for. You have food. You have plenty. But this morning, he says to you, I want to be your Savior. I want to be your Savior. Come, let's reason together. He seeks and he speaks to the sinners. And something else, after all that, certainly, he saves the sinner. He saves the sinner. Matthew 1, 21, she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus came to the world to do what? Save people from their sins. That's why he emphasized in Luke 19, 10. His, very, his birth said he came to seek and to save that which was lost. His life said it. His death said it. His resurrection said it. And he sits at the right hand of the Father today making intercession, wanting you to still be saved. The whole purpose for the existence of Jesus Christ is the salvation of souls. Aren't you glad this morning? He shall save their people from their sins. Let me tell you something. It's not the church that say can save anyone. There are people today who are lost who are church members. Oh, you see it. And they're lost. They think they're saved. They've been deceived. They're deceived by Satan, deceived by their own feelings, deceived by other people. This morning, if you are saved, you know it. And you know it. And you can go to a place and a time when you got saved. I can show you a birth certificate that says that I was born in Atlanta, Georgia. A century ago, almost, but no, a long time ago. But I can show you, I can prove you, and I'm here. I'm alive. He's asking me, are you, alive? are you been born? Yeah, I can tell you, I've been born, of course. But the same thing is you've been born again. That's why Jesus put it in those terms. I can say I'm born because right here my life says I'm born. But off of I've been born again, my life says I've been born again. You know you've been born again. You can say, well, I was saved by my grandmother. I was saved by my mother. She told me how to be saved. I was in church, and the Lord spoke to my heart. Hey, there has to be a place you were born. Place you were born. A place you're born again. Get it. First Timothy 1.15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. Paul says, hey, let me have your attention. This is a faithful saying. Worthy of all acceptation. And Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Boy, Paul was saying, he wasn't bragging on his sin. He's bragging on the fact that Jesus could save the worst of sinners. Oh, nobody has gone so far they can't be saved. He said, well, preacher, I've done some bad things. How do I know if I can be saved today? Are you breathing? If you're breathing, you can be saved this morning. Your life can be transformed this morning. Hey, come out and reason with him. Come out from your church membership and reason with him. Come out from your life of works. You think you do something that saves you. Oh, no, for sure you're saved this morning. He saves the sinner. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation, creature, creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Is that that's true of you this morning? Hey, can you testify that time you got saved? Could we pass a microphone around today and see you could tell everybody when you were born again? 
We'd let you tell when you were born to live on this earth. You could give the birth date in the year. And then you could all say, all right, give us the time you were born again. Could you do it? Oh, you better be able to do it or you don't have an anchor for your soul. And you're the one who doubts your salvation. You're the one who always is worried about it. You're the one who's always uh, concerned about it. You better know for sure that you are saved. He saves the sinner. Then number six, he satisfies the sinner. <laughs> satisfies. We already mentioned that well. Jesus said, if you drink of that water that I'll give you, you'll never thirst again. You'll have a spring of everlasting water. So, a preacher, I don't understand. You don't have to understand. Just come reason and drink. Just have a drink. Hey, some of you have been foolish enough to somebody talk into having a drink down here. But I'm going to tell you, there's nothing like having a drink from the Son of God. I refreshing water from the well of salvation. Every day you can take another sip of it and relive it. When Jesus saved you and changed your life. And oh, Jesus is seeking you to save you. But he wants to do more than save you. He wants to satisfy you. So many times people say, well, I tried that. I tried religion. I tried church. I tried to do this. I tried to read the Bible. I, 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 well, that well, whoopee-doo, you tried. Trying's not good enough. All you have to do is come to Jesus, and he'll save you, and you can quit trying. He don't want you waking up every day worried about your salvation. He wants to give you peace. He wants to put a refresh in your heart. You know what? There's, there's people here this morning, they, some of them had a tough week, a rough week, maybe everybody, but they walked in here this morning, and guess what? They suddenly felt like, I don't have as many problems as I thought. And they begin to feel better and don't even know how to explain why they feel better. But you know why they feel better? Because they got something inside that's real. And that realness of Jesus inside of them cannot help but respond to the song, to the prelude, to the choir, to the specials, to the preaching, to just shaking hands and fellowshipping with a family of God that you're going to spend eternity with. Hey, salvation is real. Don't play your game. Don't put on your church face and die and go to hell. Know you're saved this morning. Know you're satisfied in your life. Know that he's satisfied you. That's what he wants to do for you. He wants to satisfy you here and hereafter. He can make you satisfied down here and satisfied. Down there. Hey, if he leaves us here a while longer, it's okay because I'm pretty satisfied. I wouldn't trade my life for anybody's life. I love my life. I'm telling you, I love my life. I'm not happy all the time everything goes around, but I love my life, and I love the goodness of God, and I, I never have an absence of the peace of God no matter what happens. So if he leaves me here a while longer, that's okay, but if he wants to take me home, it's perfect there. It's everlasting perf perfection there. I'll be satisfied completely, forever. Oh, what a wonderful God we have. A wonderful Savior to seek us this morning. But I must remind you in closing this morning that he will judge the sinner. Make no doubt about it. You can't be treated like everybody else if you reject this, the Savior. Oh, Revelation 20 speaks of that great white throne where all are going to be gathered. God's people will be there as witnesses. And God will have the books open. And that Lamb's book of life is where our new birth is recorded. 
We'll stand before the Lord and he'll go through that book. He'll come to your name. If you've been born again. Your name's not in the book though. He says you're going to be cast into the lake of fire. That burns forever and ever and ever. He said, oh, don't seem fair. Oh, it's fair. Hey, Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins. And all you have to do is come and reason. All you have to do is come and say, that's a pretty good deal. That's pretty fair. And you'll be cast into hell to burn forever and ever because you were too stubborn. You were too concerned about what people think about you. You were too concerned about, well, what will they think if I admit I'm not a Christian or I'm not, I have doubts? What will they say if they tell them I doubt my salvation? I'm a Sunday school teacher and I doubt my salvation. I'm a deacon and I doubt my salvation. I've even had preachers say they doubt their salvation. I've seen people from all walks of life doubt their salvation and be in turmoil about it. But I've also seen the peace of God when they get it settled. Brother, the peace of God knowing you're going to heaven is not worth you worrying about anybody else. Oh, if you're deceived and you die and go to hell, your family probably will too. Oh, this morning, he's seeking you. He's here this morning seeking after you, looking for you, wanting to get you saved. It's the work of God. It's why this church is here, to seek sinners with Jesus this morning, if you don't know for sure you're saved, get it settled. Get it settled. Get it settled. This morning, if I was to tell you to turn to the person next to you and tell them when you got saved, could you do it? Could you do it? We say, well, I don't want like to do that. Then you're who I'm talking to. We got you right on the spot. You're not saved, or you're not sure. And Jesus loves you. Don't let his death be in vain as far as you're concerned. And I want you to know you're in a church today where people care about you. And they'll be glad to help you. There's nothing like knowing you're saved. Nothing like it at all. I've been saved a long time, a long time. I've been saved, oh wow, I've been saved 54 years, no longer than that. I, I don't even know math, I'll figure it up after a while, but I, I've been saved over half a century for sure. I've been saved over 60 years, remember that? I've known Christ as my Savior. Boy, you know what, in, in those years, I've had a lot of trials. I've had a lot of heartaches. I've had a lot of things, but you know what? They never hung around long because I just had too much fun knowing I'm saved. Rejoicing in heaven, rejoicing in the peace of God. Oh, you can live miserable if you want to, or you can realize he came to seek sinners. He sees your heart. He sees your need. No one in here, you feel insecure? He knows that already. Somebody says, well, preacher, you don't think God knows that already? He knows everything about you. He knows the day you were born. He knows the day you're going to die. He has your life planned for you now. You might as well start enjoying it. Get after sinners this morning. Let's bow our heads for prayer. This morning, he could...